welcome. I'm so glad to be here with you. You know, it's a special day. It's Father's Day. And we just want to take a moment to say happy Father's Day to all of you for your job that you do and governing our families and our children. We bless you. We honor you. But how many of you know we have a Heavenly Father? Amen. And we want to honor Him today and bless Him because He is perfect in every way, right? God, we thank you. You've been good to us. You've been faithful to us. We honor you and we return it back to you today. We love you and we say, have your way in this place. Amen. Oh, precious is a glow that makes me white as snow. No other bounds I know. I am washed, I am washed, I am drenched in love. souls and told by the blood of the Lamb, I'm not a slave to what once held me bound. How beautiful that cleansing blood. I am washed, I am washed, I am drenched in blood. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow.
voice of darkness. You're the mighty one, the risen sun. You're the savior to the drowning. And I was lost till you found me. You broke the chains that had bound me. You're the mighty one, the risen sun. You're the father to the fatherless. You're the peace and all distress. clap of praise. You may be seated. We are so thankful for his faithfulness to us today. Welcome to each of you. And again, I want to say happy Father's Day to all of your dads. I know your job is not always easy as you lead our families, but we want to honor you today and say thank you and say that we love you and that we appreciate you so much. We were so excited that the cafe opened this 
morning. We were able to treat all of the dads to a free coffee. Uh, it, I'm going to be honest, it got crazy up there for a little while, but it was a good crazy. It was like a perfect picture of what Pastor Kevin preached last Sunday as we began our One Another series of people loving and serving one another. The fellowship that was going on, the Lord just encouraged my heart and the serving. I want to thank the cafe volunteers for serving us this morning in the midst of all that they did a tremendous job and we are so thankful for their service just a wonderful morning and we're believing the Lord for great things today you may have remembered last month at the beginning of the month we took up a missions offering for Bernie Moore Ministries as they were going into Africa for a crusade. They just finished that crusade and just a couple of days ago they sent us a video, a personal video where they wanted to thank us as a church for our generous offering and making that possible. And so we just have a little one minute video that we want you to watch from Bernie Moore. Hey, Pastor Kevin and Lisa and the entire Eagle Heights Church family. I want to say thank you so much for your generosity towards BMM. Thank you so much for your consistency and your faithfulness in giving to helping us bring the life and love of Jesus to the four corners of the earth. We just finished up our gospel crusade right here in Mwanza, Tanzania. And we saw tens of thousands of people surrender their lives to Christ. It was absolutely spectacular. It was heavenly. God did an amazing work. You know, we couldn't do this without you, without faithful partners like you guys. Pastor Kevin, you've been so generous and so good to us. And we love you. And we thank you so very much for all that you guys have done. May God greatly bless you guys. Love you. And we'll talk to you soon. Amen. We are so thankful. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. And would you think about you may be dropping an offering in a missions basket, but as souls are being saved as a result of our giving, and I'm so thankful to be able to partner with ministries like Bernie Moore that are bringing the gospel around the world, and so thankful for you and your generous giving to make that happen. Today will be our last missions offering to cover all the expenses of Vacation Bible School, and we want to put our heart on it. We want to give from our heart today we bless the children of our community. Ushers, you come forward. Vacation Bible School begins one week from tomorrow. And so we're excited about that. Continue to register your kids online in the KC building, ages 4 through 12, and continue to invite neighborhood kids. We are looking forward to VBS one week for tomorrow. And we want to just make sure that all the expenses are covered in this last offering. So let's stand come forward give your offering in faith this morning
Good, good morning, one and all. Good to see you in the house of the Lord today, and so glad that we could in some small way show a little bit of appreciation for the dads and the fathers in the room today. Can we just give them one more attaboy? I'm thankful for you. And so we say happy Father's Day on this day. Happy Father's Day. May you be filled with happiness as we celebrate you as dad. As you contemplate your position and your role in life, may you be happy as you consider who you are and what you've done and what we think about you. Sometimes, you know, happy Father's Day, maybe we need to, in all of our hearts, as we, as we sometimes fail to really understand what's taking place around us, as God has placed within a father to be the head of the home, to be the protector, to be that person that leads out, to be an example to those that are following him. So today, that's really on my heart to just, just put that understanding in its proper place and understand what it is to be a father. As you look out at the world around you today, as you listen to the news reports, as you hear via many media sources and outlets in your life, or conversations that you might get in, as you look at our community, as you see what's happening up and down the road that you live upon, as you look at your homes, as we look at all of our homes, and we see so many things that really need to change, and we all understand that. What you might not understand is that when change comes, is that when God brings change to our nation and to our homes, to our individual lives, he does that through the spirit of the Father. I know we don't think about it like that, but it is truly the Word of God. Before I pray, I wanted to read a passage of Scripture to you that I read to you and taught from last Father's Day. I went back and just looked at what was on my heart, what was in my spirit last Father's Day 2020. And what was in my heart then is even more in my heart today. In this scripture in 1 Corinthians 4, it is the perfect description of what I'm referring to today as the Spirit of the Father. It gives us the facets, the aspects of what it means to be a father. And please hear what Paul is writing here today. He said, instead, I sometimes think God has put us apostles on display, like prisoners of war at the end of a victor's parade, condemned to die. We have become a spectacle to the entire world, to people and angels alike. Our dedication to Christ makes us look like fools, but you claim to be so wise in Christ. Now, Paul is giving a bit of sarcasm and irony here. We are weak, but you are so powerful. We have been given a role, and yet you think you know more than the fathers that God has placed within your life. You are honored, but we are ridiculed. Even now, we go hungry and thirsty, and we don't have enough clothes to keep warm. We are often beaten and have no home. We work wearily with our own hands to earn our living. We bless those who curse us. 
We are patient with those who abuse us. We appeal gently when evil things are said about us. Yet we are treated like the world's garbage, like everybody's trash, right up to... Paul, just just speak your mind, right? Right up to the present moment. And then I gave you this statement last Father's Day. The Spirit of the Father is willing to suffer long and face great persecution and even death in order to see God's will be accomplished in the lives of those under his care. I continued reading. I am not writing these things to shame you, but to warn you as my beloved children. For even if you have have had 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, you only have one spiritual father. For I became your father in Christ Jesus when I preached the good news to you. So I urge you to imitate me. Then I made this statement. The spirit of the father maintains his integrity under pressure and stays true to his course and holds fast to his position in Christ for the sake of those he has called to influence. I continued reading. Some of you have been become arrogant thinking I will not visit you again. But I will come, and soon, if the Lord lets me, and then I'll find out whether these arrogant people just give pretentious speeches or whether they really have God's power. For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It is living by God's power. Which do you choose? Should I come with a rod to punish you, or should I come with love and a gentle spirit? And then I made this this statement. The spirit of the Father realizes his responsibility to not only be loving and gentle, but also to rebuke and correct, if need be, to protect our gardens from the strategies of Satan and so that the power and presence of God will not be hindered in our lives. And then I made this statement. The spirit of the Father is under attack in our nation today like never before. Can I get just one amen right there? Father, today, as we gather today before you, Lord, I'm, I'm thankful that it's Father's Day, Lord, and maybe I'll get a hot dog, a hamburger, some baked beans, and some chips today. But Father God, that is very minimal to me today and not very important on this day, God. This is a spiritual day. It is a rallying point today. It is a point of time, Lord God, where we need to hear from you and be strengthened as fathers all across this land. We need your help today. Give us understanding. Give us grace, for we look to you. It's in your son's name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. So we have started a series on one another. And I told you that we uh, not only have a responsibility before God, but we have a responsibility to one another, to love God with all of our heart, but to love our neighbors, ourselves, and to love them with all of our heart as well. And I want to look at 1 Thessalonians 5, 8 today as our next part of this series. But let us who are of the day, let us who are of the light, Be sober, be wide awake, be watchful, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. Don't forget this language as I go through this message today. 
For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, whether we live or die, we should live together with him. Therefore, let us comfort each other and edify one another, just as you also are doing. We have a responsibility today to comfort each other and to edify one another, to encourage one another and to build one another up. It is, it is, it is our responsibility within the kingdom of God and within the, within the household of faith. I'm going to make another statement today. I want you to hear very clearly. I pray that you have revelation on the statement that I said earlier and that in some way you understand and believe that, that what we need today is a leader. We need leaders. We need somebody. How many times have you seen something that's, that's being perpetrated and you just think in your mind, why doesn't somebody speak up? Why doesn't somebody say something? Why doesn't somebody stand in the tide and go, you know what? I know I'm standing against the current, but we got to go this way and not that way. We're always thinking about why doesn't somebody lead us in another direction? It is the Spirit of the Father who does that. And so, coupled with that, I want to say this statement today. The greatest need of today is for us to have encouraged and strengthened fathers and leaders who are pursuing God with all of their heart and who will lead us back to the path of righteousness. We need fathers and we need strengthened and encouraged fathers to do what God has called them to do. Can I get another amen right there? And so when I think about encouragement, my mind immediately goes, to Joshua, one of these amazing stories in the Word of God. God is going to use Joshua to bring the people into the land of promise. The other crowd, the, the unbelieving crowd, saw the promised land, saw the giants, turned away, wandered around the wilderness till they all died off except the children. And now Joshua is going to take over command and lead the people of God into the promised land. Something good is going to happen. Something powerful is going to happen. Something's going to change. Something's going to turn. The kingdom of God is going to be displayed. People are going to be brought into the place where God intended them to be all along. How's it going to happen? Through the Spirit of the Father. And when you see this story, you understand what God understands as far as what needs to take place in order for this mission to be a success. And so he tells Moses in Deuteronomy 3.28. Now the verse prior to that is, Moses, I'm not going to allow you to go into the promised land. I want you to go up to the top of Mount Pisgah, and I want you just to see it with your eyes where they're going, but you can't because you fail to, you fail to honor me in the eyes of the people. And you remember that day when the people were rebelling against him and complaining against him, and he had just about had enough. In fact, he had had enough. And God told him to speak to the stone, but out of his anger, 
he struck the rock and he said, must I bring water from this rock, you rebels? And the rebellious spirits that he had encountered so many times had taken away his strength to the point where he failed in his responsibility as a father. He gave way to the pressure rather than honoring God in his position as a father, though he was being dishonored as such. And God says, you can't go in. But then he says this in verse 28, but command Joshua and encourage him and strengthen him. This is what I need you to do, Moses. I need you to encourage him. I need you to strengthen him. For he shall go over before this people, and he shall cause them to inherit the land which you will see. God saying, I'm going to bring this leader, and he's going to bring these people into my place and their destiny in me. And so in 31.7, we see Moses called Joshua and said to him, In the sight of all Israel, be strong and of good courage. Everyone say that with me. Be strong and of good courage, for you must go with this people to the land which the Lord has sworn to our fathers to give them, and you shall cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. This person in Joshua's life that was called to be an influencer in his life, a mentor in his life, someone who was to lead him through life and in, and in, and in, and in their his training up in the Lord. That person of influence is speaking, be strong and of good courage, comfort and edification. In Joshua 1, we see this. We see the Lord speaking to Joshua. We don't know if it's a dream. We don't know if it's an audible voice. We don't know if it's through a prophet. We don't know. But God speaks to Joshua and he says, Moses, my servant is now dead. I need you to step up. You're going to take over the reins. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. This is God speaking. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. In other words, it's not that you're not going to encounter a man that's bigger, faster, stronger, more powerful, more witty than you are. But I want you to understand that I have a plan for your life. And no matter what happens in life, there's no man that can close a door and shut you out from my plan for your life. Verse 6, be strong. Come on, somebody. Joshua, stand there. Listen to me. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as inheritance the land which I swore to your fathers to give them. Let's just stop right here just a minute. Let's just take a break and ask this question. What kind of weak-willed, lily-livered, emotionally unstable, spineless coward must Joshua be to need all this propping up? 
to need all this building up. What kind of man are you, Joshua? Let me tell you what kind of man he was. He was a valiant warrior. He was a faithful worshiper. There was nothing weak about Joshua. But God is showing us the need, our need, all of us together to comfort and edify one another. If Joshua and if we are going to be a success in life, doesn't mean you're weak. It just means you're normal. We need comfort and edification. Verse 7, only be strong and very courageous that you may do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you not turn from it to the right or the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law, you know the scripture, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. Observe to do all that is written in it. Don't turn to the right or the left, and don't just keep it tucked away in your heart. When the time comes, open your mouth and let it not depart from your mouth all the days of your life. Direct your wife, direct your kids, direct your home, direct your friends, direct anybody that I put in proximity to you to influence. Open your mouth and never let God's word depart from it. But then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? And everybody say it with me one more time. Be strong and of good courage. I wonder what God's plan is here to strengthen the Father. Do not be afraid to take away his fears, nor be dismayed. Take away his discouragement, his bewilderment, his confusion, for the Lord God is with you wherever you go. And it doesn't end there. God speaks this. And then in verse 16, we see this. There are also people that Joshua's called to lead, called to influence in his life. And this is where we come in on Father's Day to give our dads a happy Father's Day to say maybe something like this. So they answered Joshua saying, all that you command us, we will do. Is there any dad in the house who would not want a wife and all the kids to say, dad, whatever you command us, we will do. Dad, can I get an amen right there? Amen. amen. <laughs> Obey without delay, right? All that you command us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we heeded Moses and all things, so we will heed you. Only the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandment and does not heed your words, and all that I command him shall be put to death. I'm not going to kill little Bubba, but I might tape him up with duct tape and put him in a closet a little while. Because he's rebelling against you, Dad. And then what did they say? I'm going to let you read it. Say it loud. Say it again. Do you get it a little bit? God says success will occur if those who are called to influence us are speaking only, be strong, and of good courage. 
When they hear my voice saying, only be strong and of good courage, and the people that they are called to influence are saying, listen, only be strong and of good courage. We're going to all do this together. It is the recipe for success, but it's very little seen in our day. And we must, we must admit that to ourselves. But what would things be like if we understood our need and our responsibility to encourage, comfort, and edify one another? What would it be like if we realized just how powerful our effect on each other is? In Deuteronomy 1, when they were about to go in the promised land, they saw the giants at first go around in Kadesh Barnea. They sent out, saw the giants. Listen to verse 28. Where can we go up? We can't go to God's place. I can't live God's plan for my life. I have no power to go up. Can't go in there. Where, where, where do I need to go up? For our brethren have discouraged our hearts, saying the people are greater and taller than we, and the cities are great and fortified to heaven. Moreover, the giants are there. What are we going to do when we look to the right or the left and we're looking for somebody to bring encouragement to our lives and there's nobody to the right, there's nobody to the left? What's going to happen is what's happening all across our nation. It's happening all across our nation. The majority of people live their lives with no concern for how their behavior affects those around them. I do it, you do it, we all do it. We don't stop to think, what is my life? What is my behavior? What is my actions? How is that going to affect the people around me? And I've learned this in my life. Encouragement is so far beyond words. It's like love, love not in word and in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Encouragement and comfort and edification is the same way. I've been around a lot of leaders in my life, successful leaders many times. And when I'm in proximity to them, they're speaking stuff over me. It's like, man, it's just like, wow, I am the greatest. Listen to what they're saying. Wow, whoa, this is amazing. Until you find out they say that to everybody. <laughs> because it's just good leadership today to make people feel good. And when you make people feel good, people are going to follow you. But I've been around too many of those people that when the war comes, they're not speaking a whole lot of stuff. Come on, somebody. Or maybe they themselves in their own life are falling, falling apart or whatever. I want to tell you, encouragement is not mere words. Say the attaboy. Say the good job. Say that that was one of them. Say it. Say what you need to say. But I'm going to tell you what comfort is and encouragement and edification is when people look at your life and seeing you overcome and seeing you not give up when the war begins and seeing you press in and press in even with a broken heart until you come above that, rise above that. And then you, and then they, with their words, with their actions, with their relationship, 
they convince you that you can do the same thing, that you can be an overcomer. Don't be afraid. We can do this. God's got a plan for your life. That is. That's encouragement. That's comfort. That's Bible edification. When you live it in front of somebody and you put your arm around them and say, come on, you can do this too. Let's do it together. It's not this flimsy, flippant, fleshly, flattering. I just came up with that. was pretty good, wasn't it? I'm done with flattery. I'm done with hype and pie in the sky. I want somebody with boots on the ground with me. I want, to, I, want to, I want somebody, listen, not to stand up for me. A good leader doesn't want you to stand up for him. He wants you to stand up with him. Come on, somebody. So that my persecution is your persecution because we are one and the same. And we're not trying to protect a title or protect a personality or, or protect whatever. We're fighting for the truth in our generation. Can I get one more amen right there? What would happen if instead of the pressure that you're feeling at work and the pressure that you're feeling within your own person and the discouragement and the depression and, the, and maybe even the oppression that you're feeling inside of you, what would happen if rather than going AWOL, which means absent without leave, you would stand in there and that you would stop trying to find motivation to keep going on within yourself but start looking outside of yourself for motivation to keep going to start asking questions like this how is my behavior affecting my little daughter how is my display of unbelief and not trusting God, how is that affecting my teenage son? Maybe we would see the power of God when, Mom, you stop feeling sorry for yourself and just say, you know what? I got to do this for Jesus. I got to do this for God. I got to do this for my spouse. And what's going to happen is heaven's going to kick in and going to give you grace and breakthrough that you will never find if your only motivation is for you and yourself to feel good. Wayne, I know you know what I'm talking about. I can't fail. Too many people, I'm, in, I'm influencing too many people. There's that guy at work, he's been asking questions. About the Lord. He's not ready, but he's, he's seeking. He's on the way. I can't go into work quitting on God. I can't back up. I can't, I can't take my hands off the plow. That boy needs to see faith. He needs to see my faith in God. And you know what? That motivation is not evil and it's not wrong. How will this affect my Christian brother and sister? Am I going to discourage their heart through what they're watching in my life? And more importantly, how will this affect my God? Am I going to break his heart? Is this going to bring dishonor to God? 
most people never even think on that level, and that's why Satan, there's such an easy prey for Satan. But listen, when you watch those people intercede throughout God's Word, and they said something like this, For your namesake, Lord! God will respond. For the way I feel, Lord! No response. For your namesake, Lord! God responds. How is my behavior affecting people around me? How is it affecting my God? People need to see. They're afraid, right? People are insecure. People are hurting. People are discouraged. People are in despair. People are in a struggle for their very spiritual life. And let me tell you what they need. They need to see you. They need to be comforted by your overcoming spirit. They need encouragement as they watch your life. As you give glory to God and you're a witness to the resurrection power of Christ. And they go, you know what? If God can do it for that knucklehead, he can do it in my life. So here I go. I'm going to press in until every devil is under my feet. And I've overcome in life. They need to see overcoming faith. 2 Corinthians 1 says this. Listen, this is how it works. All praise to God. The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us. Selah, He comforts us. He comforts us in all of our troubles. How many of you have been saved long enough to say amen to that? I know what you feel like when you're going through it. I know, I, I know the picture that's being painted in your life. But how many of you have went through enough of those situations to know God is the comforter in all my trouble? He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. What are you saying, Pastor Kevin? I want you to understand that somebody's got to take the seed. Somebody's got to get heaven's commodity. Somebody's got to receive something. And everything in the Bible, everything in the kingdom of God is, comes in seed form. Love. Comfort. Encouragement. I put in that tree the seed so that it, it can reproduce itself. I don't just give a bunch of trees, but I make a tree and I put in that tree a seed. And if that seed falls to the ground and dies, it bears much fruit and there's more trees that happen. What I'm telling you, people need encouragement, comfort, and edification, but they're not going to get it if you don't give it to them. God uses your mouth. And I want to tell you, if Jesus needed encouragement, people around you need encouragement. It's not because they're weak and they ought to be and they should and whatever else you're thinking in your mind. And, and what's causing our silence sometimes, so many times. And I know you need encouragement yourself, but here's how the kingdom of God works. Give and that should be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give unto your bosom. You give because you have received Somebody's got to get along with God. Somebody's got to cry out in the prayer closet with 
broken heart. Somebody's got to go in the tent of meeting when despair is and darkness is covering their life and say, God, I need you to comfort me because my wife needs me, my husband needs me, my kids need me, my friends at work need me, Lord, to comfort them. Somebody's got to get the seed. And then somebody's got to leave that place and start sowing that seed around. Come on, somebody. Somebody's overcome. Somebody's been comforted. And I want to tell you, brother, you can do this. God's with you. God's just, you don't need to be afraid. I know what it looks like, but I'm going to tell you, God will deliver us and you from every evil work in your life. He has delivered. He is delivering. He will deliver us. Somebody's got to start. Somebody in the, in, in, in the discouraged home has to, has to start. Somebody in the discouraged church has to start. I must learn the importance of waiting on God and allowing him to bring comfort and edification to my heart so I can bring comfort and edification to others. Sometimes I've, I've been with people and their minds are all over the place and they're believing lies or whatever else is going on in their life. And I'm, I'm going to start doing this. I, I don't want to create a, you know, a tense moment and just maybe some contention. But sometimes I just want to stop. And maybe I'll start asking this question. Tell me about your time alone with the Lord in the last 30 days. Tell me what God's saying to you in this season. Go, go over there for about 15 minutes and just think about it. What's the last thing God told you? Were you in his presence this morning? Have you been praying without ceasing? Or have you let the world just infiltrate your mind everywhere you go, everything you do, every media outlet that is secular, you open yourself up to it, but you give no time to feed your spirit, man. And all of a sudden, how in the world are you going to not be carnal? And how are you going to speak something that's spiritual to your own self and to people around you? I've lived my whole life and my Christian life, and I, I did the thing of, you know, I read this autobiography, and he got up at 3 o'clock in the morning and prayed for four hours. I tried that. I tried the thing of praying three times a day, like Daniel. I've, I'm going to stop right there. I've tried all kind of stuff. I've got up at 3 and fell asleep at 310. Can I be honest with you today? I tried to pray for an hour and ran out of something to say after 20 minutes. I've done all those things. And I'm not trying to put anything on you. you you're working a secular job, and you're out there in the heat right now, in this heat, you know, this heat wave that's you know, kind of heat index, been up so high, blah, blah, blah. You've got all these things. You've got crazy people and crazy customers and crazy people that you're working with. I get it. Life is not easy, but listen to me very carefully. When I was in my 20s, I got up and preached messages like this. My first message was this. My first message was this. If you love Jesus, you're going to pray. If you love Jesus, you're going to go to church. If you love Jesus, you're going to read your Bible. If you love Jesus, you're going to give. If you love Jesus, you're going to tell people about him. And you, I get a little more sophisticated than that now. And even went through a season. We need, we need to do away with this list. We need to trust God and be under grace and stop trying to mark off a list every day. But let me tell you where I'm at at 53 years old, right back where I was when I was 23 years old. You got to pray. 
you got to read your Bible. Come on, somebody. You got to go and fellowship with the assembly. Come on, somebody. You got to tell others about him. You got to be a giver in your life, not just money in every way to get the devil off your back. And you can treat it like a list if you want to, but I'm telling you every day of your life, I told my kids this the other day. I said, you know what? It's not about praying a certain length of time. It's not using King James language and all these kind of things. But every morning of your life, you better make some heart connection with the Father or you will not succeed in that day. And there's times when I don't feel, but I'm going to tell you, just stay with it. And I prayed many a time and said, Lord, I'm not leaving you now. I want to be in your presence all day. And Lord, help me here. God, I need you here. What do I need to do here? Father, what is your word about this situation? We are called to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Everything I encounter, every situation that I encounter, I filter it through what God's word says, not what I feel. And if you're not living like that, you're a pawn in Satan's hands. And he's going to lead you places you never thought possible in your life. You're not going to feel the comfort and edification of the Lord. You're not going to be able to speak over your son and your daughter, your wife, and tell them what needs to happen in their life to overcome in faith. Daddies, listen to me. You've got to make a heart connection with God. You've got to make a heart connection with God. Be comforted so that you can comfort those around you. You got to learn to encourage yourself in the Lord. First Samuel 36, and David was greatly distressed. I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands. How many dads know what that feels like? Raise your hands. Go ahead. And David was greatly distressed. Let's try that again. How many men know what I'm talking about? Let's just do it this way. How many women, men, kids, everybody know the feeling of being greatly distressed? Raise your hand. For the people spake of stoning him, and because of the soul of all the people was grieved every man for sons and daughters. But David did what? He encouraged himself in the Lord his God. You know what I've learned after all these years? That very few people are in a place to encourage you. David was off in battle while he was gone. The enemy came, stole their wives, stole their kids, stole all their plunder, and took it away. And the men came back there weeping, they're wailing. And you know when you're feeling lost, when, when you don't feel like you're overcoming in life, you just start grasping and tearing at everything in your life. We tear at our spouse, we tear at our kids, we tear at our parents, we tear at everything. And let me tell you what we really tear at, and we don't get it. We tear at the Spirit of the Father. That's what we do. We tear at the Spirit of the Father because it is the Spirit of the Father that's going to bring revival and bring an overcoming spirit to this nation. We tear at the Spirit of the Father. And David said, you know what? I've got to put aside what I'm feeling in this moment. Daddy, listen to me. 
I got to put aside what I'm feeling at this moment. And I'm sitting in this lazy boy. I'm sitting on this rocking chair. And I feel like my life's falling down around me. And my wife doesn't know what she's doing when she says this. Or berates me with that. Or over questions me about this. And then... Then I got to deal with this thing of you never talk to me. My kids ain't doing good. Got to beat them to say yes, sir. Got to stay on them about this and stay on them about that. And in that moment, it seems like, why try? Who am I leading anyway? What am I doing here? It's in those moments, Dad, you better listen to what I'm saying to you. You better engage heaven. You better learn to encourage yourself in the Lord. And stop waiting for somebody around you to build you up and give you praise. Let God be the source of your comfort and your encouragement. Too many times today, wherever we're, we're in the workplace, we're in the church, we're in the community, we're in the political realm, wherever we're at in the nation today, far too often when someone takes a stand for God, they look around and they're standing alone. And we wonder why more people don't take a stand. And what's happening in our nation today and has crept into the church today, the spirit of compromise is that we would rather offend the silent majority than the radical rebellious. I understand Chick-fil-A why you do what you do. I understand why a year ago or whatever it was, you know, you wouldn't take your stand, you didn't make a comment, you blah, 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 blah. And you know, I had some of my family, you know, email them, whatever, nobody, nobody response. I don't even remember what it was, something about this sexual thing that's going on in our nation today that's so sad. I understand why you do that. Because offending the silent majority is not going to put you out of business. You know. You, you know that people don't want to engage in much of anything today. I just want chicken nuggets. I just want my Chick-fil-A sauce and dip my fry in it. And I'll take a stand for a week or two. But as soon as, I, soon as that you know, thing passes over here, I'm going to say one day, you know what? I, I, want, I, I want a Chick-fil-A sandwich. And they're coming back. But the radical rebellious, if you offend them, they will wage an all-out war against you that you will never ever be done with. They'll pull you here, pull you there. They'll do all these kind of things because our battle's not with flesh and blood, remember. Our battle's with demons, devils, spiritual hosts in the, in the heavenlies. And what they're after is the righteousness of God in our nation. And we are no different. We would rather, we, we would rather offend the silent majority than the radical, rebellious. 
The last time I was out of town in May, I was in this church and been in this church many times. And I'm at the point now in my life where I'm not trying to find a way to disconnect because that's easy, right? I'm trying to find a way to connect. Okay, you know what? I don't totally agree with this, totally agree with that, but you know what? Let's just kind of, you know, agree to disagree. That's just kind of where I'm at in my, my heart right now. I'm not trying to compromise, but I'm just trying to do the best I can at connecting with whatever I can. And time and time again, they're just, I'm just there on that one Sunday, but something said, something is done that it's always, we don't want to offend this group or that group. We just want to, and we're doing it right inside the church. And the last time I was there, they called the policeman up onto the platform. The sheriff was there, was the chief of police for the county and so forth and so on, and all the police in the church, and they were all gathered there. And they said, the Lord, one staff person said, or yeah, staff person said, you know, we're, we're going to, the Lord spoke to my heart to pray for the policemen. And those policemen came up, and people stood up and applauded them. And I was, I was so awesome, man. It was just so amazing. And then the staff person led, led this prayer for these men and women who were laying down their life. You could not pay me enough money to be a policeman. And I want to tell you, every one of you, you have my highest respect and my highest honor. When I go out of this church, I see one of those sheriff's deputies out there. I say, man, hey, I appreciate you and I appreciate what you're doing. And probably without fail, I do that. But they prayed this prayer. You know what the prayer was? In so many words. We're praying that you clean yourselves up. We pray that you only put people in authority and put a badge on somebody that deserves to have a badge on them. And you know what? So, yeah, right, okay, I get that. We don't need just police reform. We need teacher reform, politician reform, doctor reform, nurse reform. Can we go on? We need reform all across this nation. I agree. But I tell you, when I walked out that building, I said, baby, if I was one of those policemen... I would feel so absolutely devastated right now and all the strength in my body would be taken out rather than saying, you know what, okay, pray that. But I appreciate what you're doing every day. I appreciate you taking your life in your hands every day to protect this community. I don't even know the lawlessness that you're dealing with and what you go home and the emotional battles that you're struggling with your wife and your home and all the things that are going on as you have to engage this stuff and this lawlessness every day. And I want to lay hands on you. I want to hug you. I want to tell you, no, you know what? My prayers, my thoughts, my heart is with you, sir or ma'am. And I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. If we don't understand the need to encourage, comfort, edify the spirit of the Father in our nation, it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse, and we won't even know what right is anymore. Somebody's got to stand up. Somebody's got to encourage. Too many closet Christians today. Too many secret saints in our churches today. Too many hiding in the shadows. Too many with a squeaky clean theology and an impeccable report card, but are doing very little to penetrate the darkness and to be salt and light. 
to push back the prevailing darkness that you're feeling across this nation, in our communities, and down our streets, and even within our home. It's going to take an army. It's going to take an army. An army of light bearers and salt shakers. Too many times our salt shakers are like that little diner I ate a year or so ago, and I was going to, I got to put some salt on my grits. I can't even put them things down my throat without some salt on them. Nothing would come out. Baby, go get one off that table. Go get one off that table. Ma'am, can we have another salt shaker? It was all wet. It was just sitting around there soaking up the moisture. Soaking up the refreshing. To the point where it wasn't given out. And I appreciate somebody who wants to soak up the refreshing and soak up the presence of God. But God didn't call you to sit around and soak up moisture. God, God called you to just go out there and start shaking salt on what's bland. What's, come on. So that people can taste and see that the Lord is... Some of you heard that African proverb, it takes a village to raise a child. We'll go a little further with that. It takes a village to protect a child. It takes a village to protect the village. And so often it's not the case. But I'm telling you, we need an army. An army of people that aren't standing up for something, but standing with whoever that leader is in our world today that needs some support So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived, and they stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. I have no patience in this season of my life or this place in my life for conscientious objectors. I have no no place for you, and God has no place for you. What is a conscientious objector? Maybe you heard that in World War II, maybe Vietnam mainly in World War II for me. You see that in certain movies, Sergeant York, in different movies, you hear that phrase, a conscientious objector is an individual who has claimed the right to refuse to perform military service and bear arms on the grounds of freedom of thought, conscience, or religion. And they go, you know what, I don't believe in war. I don't, I don't think war is right. I don't think we need to engage in that. I don't think we need to bear up on I don't think we need to fight. I don't think we need to do that. Listen to me carefully. Your head is a war room. Your home is a war room. Your prayer closet is a war room. Your church is without question a war room. And we are commanded over and over to fight, to resist, to put on the whole armor of God and to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Listen to me, Eagle Heights. I don't know if this message will change any person in this place. I'm just called and obligated to say it. But the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. And trying to stay out of the fray and trying to stay in this place where you're avoiding war. 
It's not going to work. You're going to have to get, engage your teenage son and go to, to subject matter in places where all of a sudden you, you, you might engage something that you don't want to get a, in, involved in. Or maybe your home is out of order and all of a sudden you know that you, you know what to say and, and not say around mama. Boy, it's quiet right now. And you know if you say that, here we go. And I know you got your own problems. We all got our problems. We all need help. We all need to change. We all need to repent in some way, shape, form, or fashion. But I want to tell you, Daddy, you better step up and you better go into the war room. And I've been in the war room and many times my wife will tell you, my children will tell you, I'll go in the war room. And I'm not warring because I'm trying to tear them down. That's what the enemy does. But I'll go in the war room to build them up, edify them, comfort them, encourage them, get Satan out of their life, out of their head, out of their ear, and under their feet. Somebody better go in the war room. And if you're trying to live life without being persecuted, you're in trouble. You know why? 2 Timothy 3.12. Yes and all. Yes and all. Yes and all. Yes and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will what? You're going to suffer persecution. And I want to say to you daddies, I want to say you positions of influence today, teachers, policemen, whoever you are out there today, in any way, shape, form, or fashion, I want, you, I want you to understand what I'm saying today. No matter what people around you do or don't do, you stand, you fight, you trust God, and encourage yourself in the Lord, and don't leave your post. Paul understood. At my first defense, no one stood with me. But all forsook me. I've been there. The first time I went through some challenge in my life, I was just so devastated. I can't even, I can't even tell you. And stories were going around, whatever. It was my first encounter with that kind of stuff. It was such a fabricated thing. People were saying I wanted the church that I left, and I was trying to run the guy. Off. I just, literally, it had not even one shred of anything to it that was truthful, yet it was going around. The Lord told me, don't say one word. Don't try to vindicate yourself. Don't do anything. What was happening in my life? Satan was trying to discourage me, throw in the towel, and not even try to pursue leading God's people. I've been there, and I've learned many times that God is trying to do something inside of me. And, Dad, listen to me. God's trying to do something inside of you. When no one's supporting you, no one's agreeing with you, no one is saying, hey, Dad, you know what? That's a great job you're doing. Nobody's really saying that. Or maybe you get a card on Father's Day, but, you know, the next day it's kind of like not that. <laughs> Can we just be honest this morning? Amen. But all forsook me. May it not be charged against him. There's the spirit of the Father. When I talk about railing away and getting bitter and all those kind of things that we tend to do in our flesh, Paul said, May it not be charged against him. No one stood with me. But look at this next verse. But the but the Lord stood with me, and he did what? He strengthened me so that I could preach the message that he's called me to preach to my little six-year-old, to my wife, to my co-worker. God strengthened me to go out and open my mouth that the word of God may not depart from my mouth, that all the Gentiles might hear, and I love this, and also I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. 
I pray that you understand the things that you go on, that goes on inside of your home that brings the, the, the suppression in your home. Your, your battle is not with flesh and blood. You can scream, cuss, fuss, do whatever you want with you and your wife and you and the kids or whatever. If you never look up and understand what's happening, you're never going to overcome. Satan's going to go. He don't even know what front the war is being waged right now. We're safe, guys. But the Lord stood with me, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. When you stand up for the Lord, the Lord will stand up for you. I want you to stand to your feet right now as the team comes up. And I wish I could tell you that, you know, God's leading you in your life and the the things that you're going to overcome, you know, just going to be like, okay, this is coming against me, and bam, that got dealt with, and here I go, and, you know, and what I think should happen is happening, and it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily happen like that. I'm just going to be honest with you. That's where your faith is tested. Sometimes you're like Stephen, and he opened his mouth for a whole chapter. You can read Acts chapter 7. He just, listen, from here... Here, y'all did this, did this, you did this, you did that. God was trying to lead you, did this, you did this, you did that. And all of a sudden, here's the punchline of the message. He said, hey, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, you do also. There was no cheering section that day. Amen. Stephen, that was so powerfully anointed. It was amazing, Stephen. You're such a great preacher. They ran at him indignant, shut their ears to what he was saying, picked up stones, and literally they committed first-degree murder on that scene. And I'm not telling you your life's going to end in some blaze of glory. But I'm telling you, like Paul, whether you live or die, we're called to bring glory in our lives. And in verse 55, it says this, But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus. Anybody preaching with me? And Jesus. Standing at the right hand of God. He said, Look! Heaven's strengthening me. Heaven's encouraging me. I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. I thought the Bible said Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God. He is sitting at the right hand of God. But when you stand up for Jesus, Jesus stands up for you. I can't say it any better than that. I'm going to tell you, Daddy, I don't know who you are in this building today. We need you to stand up. How many daddies know what I'm talking about? Just, I, I, we got to stand up. If you're not experiencing warfare, you're probably not pursuing God. If you're not battling anything in your home, either you're in a season of rest, and I love those seasons, 
But just like Satan went to Jesus when he was hungry and he was tired and he was trying to lay down his life and make a living, if you will, lay down his life a ransom for many. He's fasting 40 days. He's tired. He's weak. And all of a sudden, Satan goes, okay, he's in a weak moment. Let me go to him and try to lie to him everything I can pour out on his life and try to induce him to get away from his position and offend his heavenly father. And it was tough on Jesus. Jesus had emptied himself out of glory. He had taken upon himself the servant, the spirit of a servant. He was a man. He was a God man, but he was a man. He felt pain and pressure. So much so that the Bible said the angels came and ministered to him at that moment, doing what? Strengthening him. How many of you know if Jesus needs strengthening, you're going to need strengthening? How many of you know if Jesus needs encouragement, you're going to need encouragement? He went down there and got baptized by his first cousin, John. And a voice thundered from the heavens. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. What are you doing, Father? Your son's about to go through a lot of stuff. And he's got to know that no matter what happens, no matter the pain, no matter the rejection, no matter what goes on in his life, that that voice of my pleasure over you never ceases, it never stops. And it's going to help you fight your battles. It's going to help you outside the tomb of Lazarus. Say, Father, I know that you always hear me. How do you say something like that? If you know your heavenly Father's Come on, going to edify, comfort, and strengthen you. But the Bible said Satan left him for a more opportune, until a more opportune time. You know what that means? That means the devil is a devil. He'll leave you alone while you're strong because you're just going to beat his brains out. He's not going to waste his time with you. There's too many other people to afflict and oppress but he's going to wait till you start believing some lies again get into the hard place again sitting in that lazy boy again lies spilling out all over you and discouragement filling up your heart and he's going to start talking to you and he's going to try to get you to do something not just say something he's going to try to get you to do something based upon what you're thinking and there's times in your life where it's hard to even take another breath let alone take another step. And in those occasions, I want you to understand, put up Ephesians 6, I want you to understand God's not requiring you to walk today or even run today. But, Dad, you better know what time it is. And I speak this over you today as an, as an instruction from the Lord and as an, an, an exhortation. Every dad in this building today, Everyone who represents the Spirit of the Father, I say this to you today. This community needs you. Our family needs you. This nation needs you. We need you to step up. And when you're going through those t difficult times, understand I, God knows that you can't run today. And God knows you can't even run the race with endurance. Walk by faith. This is what he tells you to do on those days. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. I'm prophesying that over you right now. Say it over yourself. Say it over one another. Be strong in the Lord. 
Let's do that, Miss Debbie. Daddy's next to you. Police officer next to you. Somebody next to you, the Spirit of the Father. Raise your hand real quick. Raise your hand real quick. Daddies, raise your hand real quick. <laughs> put them down. Did you see those hands? Go put a shoulder. Go put, go put a hand on the shoulder. Go put an arm around your spouse. If they don't have anybody in the room with them, just, just go lay a little gentle hand on them. And speak this over one another. Be strong in the Lord. And in the power of His might, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against all the strategies of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, do what? Just stand. Just stand. Anybody know what the Lord's speaking to us today? Just stand. Let's just get bold right now. How many of you need, need encouragement right now? How many of you need encouragement right now? Just, just be, 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 be honest. We all need it. We all need it. Mamas, do what you can. Babies, do what you can. Brothers and sisters, do what you can. Do what you can for the family of God. But daddies, listen to me. I pray for you right now, Kevin. Pray for you, Larry. I pray for you, Scott and Scott. I love you, boy. Let's learn to encourage ourselves in the Lord so that when Sybil's down, I got something I can give away. Amen. Hey, I love you. God bless you. You're dismissed. Have a wonderful Father's Day in the Lord.